Heavenly Father, I thank you for each person who is here, and I thank you that you have a word to speak to each of us. Give us ears now to hear what you want to say, for Christ's sake and his glory. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. It's good to be back with you. Uh, We had a a nice vacation. We went camping. As you know, we changed our plans. We had planned to go down south to southern Missouri to camp, and then we looked at the weather map, the national weather map, and we saw thunderstorms. So we changed our plans, and we went to Wisconsin and camped up there. But the rain followed us. So (laughs) we still had rain. The camping trip was better once we figured out how to patch the tent, so it didn't really leak on us. And we were... um, Two nights and three days in Wisconsin, and um, the third day was, was beautiful and, and perfect. The other two days were, were okay. We bonded. That was, that's what happened. We bonded. So it's good to be back, and um, heard Ernest did a wonderful job on his sermon, and I haven't had a chance to listen to that, but I'm grateful that he was able to preach a, a word to you. When I was away on vacation, there was something historic happening in Jerusalem, And this was a gathering of almost 2,000 Anglicans from 50 countries. And uh, it's historic because it's the largest gathering of Anglicans in 50 years. And uh, it it happened again in Jerusalem, and it is part of this, or it is, this group called GAFCON, which stands for Global Anglican Future Conference. Global Anglican Future Conference. And these are biblical Orthodox Anglicans who are from all over the world, global, who are thinking about how do we move forward together for the sake of the gospel. And that is a group that we are part of here at Church of the Resurrection. Our uh, denomination, the Anglican Church in North America, is part of this. Our diocese is part of the Global Anglican Future Conference. We sign off as priests and deacons on statements that came out of the first um, GAFCON conference, which happened 10 years ago. There's a Jerusalem declaration that came out. And when we're ordained, we sign off. That's one of the things that we say that we believe is the statement that came out of GAFCON. So GAFCON is an important part of our identity. It's sort of in the background usually, but, um, but here they had this great gathering. And I thought it would be important for us to to think about some of the things that came out of the GAFCON conference. As I was listening to the speakers, I went to their website and this week and listened to some of the speakers, read articles and statements that came out of GAFCON, reaction to it. And I was asking myself, well, what does this great gathering have to say to little old us uh, here at Church of the Resurrection? How can we apply it to the local level? And the main thing that I took away from this conference was the the call for us as biblical Anglicans to stay on mission, to stay on the mission. And that the heart of this mission, of course, is the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of who Christ is and what he's done for us and for the salvation of the world. And so. We can't lose sight of that. There's something that's called mission drift. Have you heard that phrase, mission drift? An organization begins to, over time, subtly, oftentimes subtly, drift away from the primary mission for which the organization was founded. And you can look to um, maybe the most dramatic example of this in American life and culture is uh, what has happened to the Ivy League schools 
in the United States. They were founded by Christians, most of them, for Christian purposes. Harvard was founded for training Christian ministers. And some of the early mission statements that came out of Harvard were very explicit about their Christian identity. For example, here's, here's one of these early mission statements that, that, come, that came out of Harvard. It said, um, each student must understand that the purpose of life and study is to know God in Jesus Christ, which is eternal life. Can you imagine Harvard saying that today to their students? This is what we're about. There's a drift that has taken place. I think it began more subtly and now it's very uh, conscious that they are repudiating that part of their identity. But it can happen to large institutions. It can happen to churches. It can happen to denominations. Mission drift. So how do we prevent that from happening? Well, I want to talk to you about that. And again, this kind of connects with some of the themes that I heard coming out of the GAFCON conference, they defined the gospel this way in the statement that came out. Listen to this definition, a clear definition, a biblical definition of the gospel. God's gospel is the life-transforming message of salvation. Salvation from what? From sin and all its consequences through the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The life-transforming message of salvation from sin and all its consequences through the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the message that we have been given to proclaim. So how do we stay on mission? I thought of three, three things to, to talk about. It's a big topic and there's many things we could talk about. But again, thinking about what I saw there at GAFCON and what relates to us here at the local level is one is unity. The unity that we have in the gospel, our fundamental unity is the gospel of Jesus Christ, this message that we have. And that unity transcends all of our other differences. So the unity of the gospel, the call to take the gospel out, to go with the gospel message, the call to go. And then a defense of the gospel. Defending the gospel against other versions of the gospel or other messages that say, no, this is, this is salvation. This is the good life. We have to be able to say very clearly, we're for this and not that, and here's why. And here's why. So I want to talk about those things. Unity, going, and the defense of the gospel. We have to recognize, if we're going to stay on mission, that our unity is rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is a great thing for us to celebrate. In our, in our psalm reading, Psalm 133, this was written most likely for pilgrims who were on their way to Jerusalem to celebrate one of those great religious festivals of Israel. And the psalmist here is, is celebrating this sense of unity that the people of God have as they're going to pilgrimage together. He says, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. And then he gives, gives a couple of images. It's like the precious oil on the head running down from the beard on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. What is that all about? Well, Aaron was a high priest of Israel. And he's thinking back to when Moses anointed Aaron for his task as high priest. And that anointing oil was a sign of God's blessing on Aaron's ministry. It was a sign of God's presence with Aaron. And Aaron was blessed and given the presence of God to minister to others. And, and, the, and the psalmist here is saying our unity is like that. 
It is a blessing of God. It is it represents or it signifies rather the presence of God among us. And it is given for us to be a blessing to others. And we're unified in this gospel together. It's like he goes on in verse three, like like a dew, like the dew of Hermon, which was this great snow capped mountain, the, the, the dew of Hermon, which which would fall on the on the mountains of Zion, the the, the mountains of Jerusalem. And of course, that image of waterfall, of water falling and water gives refreshment and water gives life and water is necessary for fruitfulness. And it refreshes us. And yes, we can say amen to that given the summer that we've we've been in and and the refreshing rains that came last week. So we understand that. And so uh, our unity in God is something that refreshes us and it's necessary for fruitfulness in the mission that we've been given to do. That's why it was wonderful to read some of these reports coming out of the GAFCON conference. Again, almost 2,000 Anglicans from 50 different countries. And people, I read one priest who said, this was like a foretaste of heaven. You ever experienced that? When people come from all different walks of life, all different cultures, all different backgrounds, all different ethnic, economic statuses, and yet united together in the worship of God, the worship of Christ. It's a picture of what's going to come in the New Jerusalem when every people from every tribe and nation and tongue will worship the Lamb who was sacrificed for the sins of the world. And so there's this unity we have in the Gospel of Jesus Christ that we recognize when we meet a brother or sister from another denomination or from another country, but we recognize them as brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a wonderful thing. And um, here at our church... We're unified in this. You know, we have people from different backgrounds and we have people in different stages of life and different social and economic conditions and different temperaments and personalities, different political views. And, and I've even heard, rumor has it, that there are some Cub fans among us here. In this uh, so that might be what we pray for them, for their sanctification. But we recognize but there's a unity, there's a unity that transcends all of our differences. And some of them are fun to talk about. Some of them are more serious. But if we, we need to recognize, now where we stand together, what, what is the glue that holds us together is this gospel proclamation and that we have received and that has changed our life and we want to see other people changed by it. That's, that's the fundamental unity. Beyond everything else, beyond this building that we have, which is important. It's important for our unity. But if this was taken away, we'd still have the unity in the gospel. You know? And so that, that's fundamental to who we are. Um, so to stay on mission, we recognize that's the unity that we have and that connects us with these Anglicans throughout the world. It's not just the glue that holds us together. The gospel is the message, of course, that God has entrusted to us to share with others. And so I thought of, of course, the classic passage that the Great Commission section of Matthew 28, where Jesus, the risen king, tells us how his kingdom grows and the task that we have as his subjects, as his disciples have to expand his kingdom. And it happens as we go and make disciples. He says in verse 18, 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's how we can go. That's why we can go with boldness and confidence. Because we know that we're serving under the authority of one who has all authority. The primary command here, this is the central command of the Great Commission, is make disciples. Everything else follows from that, or everything else supports, I should say, the central command of disciple-making. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. How? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So that involves incorporating them into the church community because baptism is a sacrament of the church. So we bring them in, and that is the initiation into this kingdom, into into the church, is baptism. But then there's something that needs to be ongoing in the life of the church, and that is teaching. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And Jesus assures us, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. There's a lot that could be said about the Great Commission, and I think I'll spend some time on it at some point in the near future, maybe do a sermon or two just on the Great Commission. But as I was thinking about this passage of Scripture and how it would relate to our church, the thing that was impressed upon me was this word go. Go out. Because sometimes we can get complacent. And I'm speaking about my own complacency here. There's others in this congregation who are not complacent when it comes to going and are a great example to the rest of us. But um, going means you go, you go out into the world with the purpose of connecting with people in order to make disciples for Christ. Those who are not inside. So I'm good at coming, <laughs> coming to church, and I want people to come to church. And that's essential. That's where we are baptized, and that's where we are taught the things of the Lord. But there's also this going that needs to happen to connect with people who are outside of the church. And to, and to bring them to Christ. And so, as I thought about it, I thought, this season in the life of our church, that's a challenge that we have, the Church of the Resurrection, to go and to connect with people outside the church. I've been thinking about that. We, as a vestry and leadership team, are going to be thinking about that this summer. We're going to be meeting uh, in the next month or so, um, maybe two months, to just spend a day praying and thinking and reflecting on how we can best connect with people in our culture. And I would invite you, congregation, to pray with us about that, okay? And to, to talk to us about that. what ideas maybe the Lord is stirring in your heart about how we connect with people outside the church. That needs to be a front burner issue for our church. Emil Bruner, who was a great theologian of the church, he said this, the church exists by mission just as fire exists by burning. The church exists by mission, just as the fire exists by burning. So no fuel, no fire, no mission, no church. Eventually, it, it runs down. And so we have to take this call on board. The risen Christ calls us to go, go out and make disciples of all nations and people from all different ethnic backgrounds. And then, uh, uh, finally, a major theme of the GAFCON conference uh, was to identify and warn against false gospels and to defend the authentic gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, our passage from 1 Peter says that all of us should be prepared to make a defense 
to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Why are you a Christian? How would you respond to that? How would you answer that question? Why are you a Christian? Why do you go to church? Why aren't you sitting home and watching sports or doing something else? Why are you a Christian? Well, the Apostle Peter says we need to be able to answer that, to give a reason, a defense. And yet we are to, this is so important, do it with gentleness and respect. Respecting the person and in a gentle and kind way to give a defense of the gospel. And part of that defending the gospel means we believe this and not this. And here are the reasons why. There are counter messages, counterfeit gospels that are circulating in our world outside the church and inside the church. And the GAFCON conference named some of those counterfeit gospels within the church. They talked about things like syncretism that happens in, in the African context quite a bit. It's like we'll take some of the traditional primitive religions and we'll blend it in. gospel. That's another false gospel that they said, no, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's this, this idea that once we follow Jesus, we, we can claim you know, riches and claim perfect health and healing all the days of our life until we are somehow ascend, ascend to heaven. You know, there's not going to be any troubles at all in this life. The prosperity gospel. So the, 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 the conference said, no, we're going to stand against these things that are making inroads in the church. But then there's forces without outside the church that are starting to that we need to address. And one big issue they talked about was relativism. Relativism in our culture, which is a dominant way of thinking in the West. And what relativism says, you know, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe something. As long as you're sincere in whatever you believe, that, that's, the, that's the mark is sincerity. And, uh, and that's, that's intellectual relativism. Moral relativism says it doesn't matter how you live as long as you are authentic to yourself. You know, as long as you're happy with the way you're living. There's no, no standard outside of the self. You're the standard in, in this relativistic mindset. And one archbishop in a talk that he gave, he said, you know, imagine going to the doctor with an illness and the doctor says, now, once you go to the pharmacy, but it doesn't matter what medicine you take, as long as you take something. And just tell him, it doesn't matter what you give me, as long as you give me something for this illness. No, that doesn't work, you know, and relativism doesn't doesn't work, but it is the dominant philosophy of our age. And the problem is that when relativism makes its way in the church, it leads to a gospel without repentance. And uh, the statement was very clear that we're teaching a gospel of of God's mercy and grace and love, but also a summons to repent and follow the lordship of Jesus Christ. Jesus said that. In the Great Commission, we're to obey Him. Obey His commandments. Obey His teaching. The Gospel without repentance says to the world, you don't need to change. You don't need to change your thinking about God. Whatever you think about God is fine. Rather than, no, God has revealed who He is here in His Word. A Gospel uh, without repentance says you don't need to change how you're living. You don't need to repent for your sexual behavior that falls outside of God's standards. You don't need to change the way that you think about or handle money or material possessions or how you treat other people. You can just stay as you are. But the gospel message, the authentic gospel message is much more exciting and dramatic than that and adventurous than that. 
The gospel says, no, in Christ, you're a new creation. And you can begin to live the way God intended you to live. Not perfectly, but you're set on a course of authentic humanity. A new creation. The gospel calls for us to tear down idols in our life and worship God alone. The gospel calls us to recognize that we are creatures, not the creator of our life. God is the creator. And we're called to worship him and submit to him. The gospel calls us to recognize we cannot save ourselves with all of our ingenuity and technology and intellect. We cannot save ourselves. We need a Savior. And God has provided a Savior. Jesus Christ, His Son. This message is in tension with so many currents in our culture. And it's difficult sometimes to to stand up for and to clearly articulate because it is intention. Because none of us like to be told, wait a second, we're wrong. We're going in the wrong direction. I don't like it when my wife says, Ben, why didn't you turn right? Why are you going left? <laughs> GPS helps a little bit there, but not much. I don't like to go to my kids and say, you know what, I was wrong for snapping at you, for speaking that way to you. That is humbling. That is hard on the pride. But that's what needs to go. The pride needs to go. And that's when it's healing to come to a place of repentance, admitting we're wrong. Coming before God and saying, I've been wrong. I've been going in the wrong direction. And so we're called as a church to stand up for this. And this will put us in some tension with this culture. And that that means some people won't be happy with us. But it also means that there's going to be, I believe there's going to be some people, let's just give it some time, and we'll, I think we're going to see people come in broken and hurting and guilt-ridden and in pain because they've taken that message of it doesn't matter how I live or what I think. And eventually that catches up to people. And then they're going to come in and we need to be reaching out to them and saying, let me tell you what has has restored me. Let me tell you the reason that I have hope in this broken and hurting world. Let me tell you about the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. And you too can know Him. And that changes everything. So to stay on mission, we cultivate and we prize our unity in the Gospel. We must go We must go to people who don't know Christ. We have to find a way. We have to ask God to stir up our boldness and creativity in this. And we have to be willing to say, we're standing for this and not for that. With gentleness and respect. May God help us to do these things. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we acknowledge, I acknowledge that um, it's easy to, to drift from these things and to become complacent and to be satisfied with where we're at now. And yet you are moving your church, you are stirring the global church and we are witnesses of that, of what's happening in our section, our corner of the kingdom of God. It's not just what's happening, though, with Anglicans. It's happening throughout the body of Christ. 
this sense of urgency to go and this need to be clear about what we believe and why we believe it. Help us, Lord Christ, as Church of the Resurrection, to live into these things, we pray. For Your glory, we ask. Amen. 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 Would you please stand and let's recite the words of our faith.